Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? Well it is our final episode of the Spooky Season series and today it is our very own Louise Oliver's script. Um, a script that she is going to tell you all about in a little second so we'll do it slightly differently than we have been doing for the rest of the episodes. Um, and it was a pleasure for myself and Misha to be able to read this script for you today. I just want to take a moment to thank everyone who submitted all of our incredible performers for their time and talent. And to the writers, your talent is incredible, it is inspiring, and it is everything that we want to bring as persistent and nasty. So a huge thank you to all of you. Mm, for today's episode, oh, um, something deep, dark, so, yeah, red wine seems very apt for this one, or a whiskey also seems very apt, or, you know, maybe a really strong coffee, maybe a dark, like a really dark hot chocolate, or, you know, you can always just have a good old cup of tea, sit back, don't get too relaxed, and enjoy. Hi everyone, this is Louise Oliver here, one half of Persistent and Nasty. I have been off grid and off pod for the last month for or two because I have been away producing and filming my first short film in the room. I think there is an episode about it going back a few, um, so if you want to know more about that, head over to that episode to listen. The wonderful Elaine, my comrade, my cohort, my bestie has been holding down the fort as she does so brilliantly and leading the podcast as normal. I've been so excited to listen to all the other spooky season bits of writing from the brilliant writers across Scotland and I'm delighted to contribute one myself. What you're about to hear is an excerpt from my play Witch or W-I-T-C-H. It's been in development now for a few years which was sadly interrupted by the pandemic and it's getting back on its feet as we speak. I am in the stages of redrafting and I'm delighted to be working with the amazing Robin Yankovic Brown of Stories Untold Productions to get it up and going again in 2024 where we will be working with Summer Hall, which is co-created by myself and my collaborator and director of which Shilpa T. Highland. The idea for which was formed around 2017 when I was going through what I like to refer to as my own personal second wave of feminism. I was angry at the state of the world, learning more about myself and unlearning some gender-based toxicity that had been part of my societal programming since birth, as a girl, then, then as a woman living under patriarchy. At that time, I was reading Going Too Far, the personal chronicle of a feminist by 62nd wave writer, poet and essayist and New Yorker, Robin Morgan. And in that book, I learned about WITCH, also known as Witch's International Conspiracy from Hell, of which Robin was a member. Which was founded by a group of second wave feminists in New York that broke away from the standard movement in order to be more intersectional. They wanted to encompass the civil rights movement, black rights, student rights, the rights of the working class, as well as rights for women in their protest and in their campaign. They were essentially the first intersectional feminists. Um, they did it by reclaiming the persecuted symbol of the witch as a new symbol for solidarity. They blazed 
brightly and briefly getting some things wrong and some things right. Not least hexing the stock market exchange down a few points on Halloween in 1968 when they marched on the stock exchange in New York, shouting Wall Street, Wall Street, up against the Wall Street, and then basically forcing their way into the stock exchange floor and casting a hex. They changed the nature of their protest and the acronym WITCH to co-align or to align, sorry, with whatever protest or whatever issue they were standing up for. They were messy, they were guerrilla, they were fun. They did it with costumes, they did it with hats, and they did it with music, chants and theatre to get noticed. Using the symbol and the imagery of the witch to strike fear into the hearts of the repressors. I became obsessed with them. I thought they were inherently theatrical and they inspired me to write the play, Witch. The play itself, it's set in Scotland, Halloween 2023-2024, by the time we stage it. Priya wants to bring WITCH back now to Glasgow to finally make a difference and take her place in the fight. But tonight, it's Jen's hen night. Tradition decrees they get drunk, talk about boys and celebrate the end of Jen's singledom. Meanwhile, Ailey is missing the point entirely, waving around crystals and invoking some ancient warrior queen. When a half-hearted summoning fails to help matters, they hit the town. But as the Prosecco flows, something is stirring in the shadows. The bartender looks suspiciously retro and there's an awfully smoky smell in the toilets. The witches of the past are answering the call and they're not coming quietly. My play... WITCH, which uses the symbol of the witch just like the original second wave feminist guerrilla protest group did, and all the women of the past charged with being troublesome to ask, what do we do now? The show will be part protest rally, part gig theatre, part witches Sabbath, and all one wild night out in Glasgow. What you're about to hear, the excerpt that I provided for the Persistent and Nasty podcast, is the prologue. It comes from an early draft of the play. This prologue has changed a little since, but not much. It's the tone setting and a little bit of a double bluff for the play, for the start of it. The prologue that is being redrafted now is a little longer, a little angrier, and takes a twist before we meet our modern women. I hope you really enjoy it, and I hope that in 2024 you can follow along with the journey of which um, it has been developed so far by the Life Arts Centre and Pitlochry Festival Theatre to which I'm very grateful and I'm really excited now to be working with Stories Untold and Summer Hall. Enjoy! I love the smell and feel of wet grass, the feel of it under my feet, cool and coarse and fresh. The first time I went to the dance was just to spite my mother, to escape the stifling heat of her house and glare. Forever a fire blazing in the grate, even in the height of summer, as if she was trying to sweat out her own shame. In the early evenings, just after the rain, while she was distracted by prayer and obligation, I would escape outside and breathe, fill my lungs to bursting, because it felt like the first and last breath every time. Once I was out of sight of that dreary little house, I would slip off my shoes and start to run. Running is wild and free. Running is an act of rebellion. Slip off the shoes, 
loosen the lace, let down the hair, breathe, run, run from the fire, all that oppressive heat. The first time I went, I wasn't really sure. I was nervous and wary. I'd heard guarded whispers among the girls in the village, the ones that itched in church and crossed their fingers under their prayer books. I think now, I think they meant for me to hear. Agnes was the one that caught my eye. Agnes was laced up tight and trained to keep her head down just like the rest of us, but, but she carried herself differently. Like she knew something the rest of us didn't. She knew when to cast her gaze. When she cast it my way, my eyes were burning from tears I could not cry. My mother had taken the switch to me that day for arguing with the miller's boy who wanted more of our sheep's wool than he was willing to pay for. I believe you might call it pulling a fast one. Apparently, I was in the wrong for trying to ensure our daily bread. Impudent according to my mother. The miller was a man of status, you see. I am nothing. And so she thrashed me, thrashed me to the cost of one whole shilling, which is what he got away with in free will. That's a lot, by the way. To you, it's probably just shy of a month's wages. That's the price of impudence. I was so full of anger and what I thought was hate towards her, but I now know that she was just afraid widowed at her age with an unmarried daughter is a fearful burden to bear. Fear guided her moral compass. Anyway, that day, as I tried to distract my swollen and trembling hands with work in the paddock, Agnes was there. She just seemed to be there on the road looking at me. When my eyes met hers, she smiled. The smile was an invitation. Can you see? She asked me that on the first trip to the woods other girls laughing nearby. It's dark, I replied. Not like that. My cheeks burned despite the cool of the early evening air. When Agnes held my face, her hands felt like misting rain. I didn't know what she meant. No one will hurt you here. That wasn't entirely true. But we'll get to that. I know what you're thinking. The myth of girls dancing in the woods, raving women, casting spells and worshipping Satan. Old stories. Nonsense. There are kernels of truth in all stories. I will say that Satan was nowhere to be seen. Later, when they accused us of dancing with him, of being his bride, I laughed at the absurdity of it all. Marry him? I've never even met him. I said as much. They didn't like that. We may have been bored in church, but we never renounced God. But there was worship of freedom. Dizzy and spinning and drunk with being outside and together and away from the hot eyes of the church and men. All we did was gather to share fears and dreams, to talk above a whisper. The devil was never there, but he did come for us. Agnes took my trembling hands in hers and led me. She held them that first time and every time after that. Later, when they wrenched them from mine, her nails digging my palms, I thought of misting rain and giggling in woods, dancing, talking, grass tickling underfoot, running. Running was all I could think of after that. Run! She screamed when they found us. 
It's funny. I would run to get there, desperate to feel the wind whip past my ears to arrive at our place where we could be ourselves. But when it really counted, I was rooted to the spot. Girls scattered like moths, some straight into the flame. I think someone grabbed me by my hair. A man was shouting, sermonising amidst the fear. I think we probably should have taken more notice that Christine wasn't there that night. The world seemed to swim in front of me, slowing down. I was looking for Agnes. No one will hurt you here. A man doused our fire. The irony of this image plagued me long after witnessing it. As the safe, amber glow of the space we created for ourselves was extinguished, I saw a trembling Christine, the minister's daughter, held captive in a vice-like grip of her father. With the fire out, the world turned to ash. Christine's father spat vicious words in her ear and her eyes wide like saucers, her arm a barren winter branch in the wind as she pointed at me. You can endure a lot. They're afraid of us. Something else she would say that I didn't understand at first. It really didn't feel like they were afraid at the time. It turned out Christine's father beat her until she told him where we met. Down the line, in more bitter moments, I thought to myself that he beat her regularly anyway. Why did that time have to be any different? They don't like it when we gather. No, they hate it. It didn't take them long to round us all up. We were marched into the church and stood shivering under their condemnation. Accusations, diabolical behaviour, shame. My mother was in the church, but she wouldn't look at me. Her gaze cast to the dirt. In the days that followed, I came to understand what Agnes meant. You must really be afraid to do what they did. The devil was aboard, but we didn't summon him. He was already there. Don't hate Christine. It's what they do. That was the last thing I remember Agnes saying to me. We'd all kept apart after that. They put us on trial. All of us. Just girls. Agnes and I used to talk about how pretending to give them what they wanted was part of the game. To make them think that you didn't want or need or understand anything else other than the version of the world they were prepared to share with you. You played your part. It kept you safe. And you could escape to the woods for everything else. That's what I thought I was doing. Telling them what they wanted to hear. Keeping us safe. Confess, they screamed. To what? Tell us you're in league with the devil. And we can save you. Tell us. So I did. Hysterically. Baffled. I laughed and told him about charms and rhymes, the devil's mark and why we danced. It all seemed so ludicrous and the more I told them, the more I played the part. Confess and you'll be saved, they said. I believed them. Tell them what you want to hear and you'll be safe. That, like most of what they tell you, was a lie. A wish. A wish. In my performance, they saw fervour, and that's what spared me. But it didn't spare Agnes. By the time I realised what was happening, the acrid smell of smoke and burning flesh was in my nose and eyes. Unlike me, she didn't give them what they wanted. And unlike me, 
she didn't scream. Join our spooky season series. You can support us by shouting about us on social media, uh, liking, downloading, reviewing, subscribing to the podcast so that you don't miss a single episode. It really does make a huge difference. And as I say, if you support the work that we do and you feel that you can financially help us at this time, we would be extremely grateful. And you can become a persistent pal or a nasty hero or just donate the price of a cup of tea or coffee to us. Um, and the links for that are in the show notes of today's episode. And as I said um, previously, we have had very generous donations from people to sponsor our coffee mornings which is incredible and if you would like to do that you can stay anonymous or we can absolutely shout about you from the rooftops so please feel free to get in touch and you can do that by emailing us at persistentandnasty at gmail.com and to those of you who already do support us financially a million thank yous you keep us going you keep the advocacy work going you keep the podcast going you keep the coffee mornings going and we are forever grateful to all of you if you can't financially support us at the moment we completely understand um but you can help us in many other ways and one of those ways is by following us on social media sharing about us on social media and just generally being our cheerleaders and you can do that by following us on Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty. You can also follow us on TikTok, which is Persistent and Nasty. And you can check out the website www.persistentandnasty.co.uk where you can read some of the incredible blogs that have been written for us by amazing artists. And you can also send us a blog to publish on the website. Please do send us some spooky stories. I'd love to read them. And you can follow Louise and I on social media. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and at Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. Today's episode was performed by Misha McCullough and Elaine Stirrett and edited by Elaine Stirrett.